today, just going to um, take the next 20 minutes or so just to really share a little bit about our journey uh, to this point and um, how God's sort of like spoken to us along the way uh, regarding, uh, I guess, becoming a pastor. Um, like, why are we here? Uh, so we've just spent the uh, last couple of days just thinking, like, what stories are important for us to share? You're not going to get our whole journey, but just enough to hopefully just um, just kind of give you a perspective on, on God's call on our lives. So Deb's going to start this uh, for us this morning. Okay, she, Deb wants me to read. Um, oh, this is from Mark and Annika. Well, welcome to the world, our beautiful baby girl, Zioni Hope Morell. Zioni, Zioni, yeah, that's right, we're not American. Zioni, yeah. Anyway, born at 3.41 a.m. this morning, weighing in at eight pound one in Rangira. Mum and baby are doing well. That's awesome. <laughs> How exciting. Tracy's in labor too. Awesome. Same day. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's a landslide. Watch out, Ro. No. <laughs> no, not yet. You've got a bit longer. A bit more incubation to happen. That's cool. So, yeah, like Glenn said, we're going to um, share a little bit of our story up till this point. And Glenn sort of said, let's talk a little bit about our childhood and what stood out from that. A bit of our teenage years and a bit of our adulthood. So, I'm really blessed to be able to say this morning that there are four generations of my family in this church, starting with Grandma and Granddad there, my parents who aren't here today, us and my brother and sister-in-law and our kids, and it's just so cool. It's such a blessing to have this heritage, and it goes back even further than that. Um, and I know I'm here today because of what um, you know my family before me have stood for, for who they are, and for the prayers they've prayed over me and over my family line. And today, you might be a first-generation Christian in your family, but don't underestimate the legacy that you are building. Now, just a quick bit of background. I've been with this church um, since 1988, since it was um, planted. Mum and Dad helped um, plant this church as leaders, and then they later became the second lot of senior pastors for this church. Got three awesome brothers, one over here, um, and they all have been or are part of Thrive as well. So just a little bit about my childhood. Um, I guess a word, a key word that I could use to describe that would be discipleship as far as my relationship with God. So the first key people for me in this time were my parents. And from a young age, I was able to observe their relationship with God, their passion, their love for God, their determination, just their devotion to him, and that had a huge impact on me. So I grew up knowing about God and believing that he was real. Now, another key moment, and also key people for me, um, were my school years and my teachers at New Life School. I remember hearing a message when I was seven years old um, about heaven and hell, and actually being a bit scared and going home and talking to mum about it, but that night making a decision that I wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And I wouldn't recommend fear as a really good motivation for becoming a Christian, but that's how it started for me. Now, I'm also really grateful to my school for the way that they um, taught us to just really value scripture, to memorise it, and um, they helped to instill in me the importance of God's word. And probably one of my favourite verses growing up was Hebrews 13 verse 5, where God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is a tiny bit about me as a kid. So on into teenage years, I suppose some key words there for me when I was thinking about it were encounter, 
encounter with God's power and with his reality. And there's not one really key person that stands out to me from um, from this time as having an impact on me, but those years were just filled with lots of moments of encountering God. Moments where God became so real to me, he was just so powerful, and he wanted to break out of the boxes that I had put him in. Um, Biggest standout moment for me was um, Rise Up Camp when I was 12 years old at Living Springs. Now before this time, I remember church being pretty good, but if I was being really honest, probably a little bit dry. I've got the odd memory of amazing things happening, like seeing somebody's leg grow when I was a kid, but other than that, not a whole lot. But at this camp, God was there in a hugely tangible way, like in a way that I'd never seen him before. I just remember, um, I, might, I think it was more than one night, but a queue of people just um, filling the whole room, lining up at the microphone, just repenting, confessing their sins to God in front of everybody. It was amazing. But they were being truly authentic, and they were receiving healing, full, complete healing. I remember great worship times there with Robin Lynn Packer and people just hungry for God and just a huge feeling of freedom. And it was there that I was baptized, so standout point for me. And I hadn't been baptized before that, probably because I was a little bit scared. But they had a baptism service and just heaps of people were getting baptized. I have no idea how many, but it probably it felt like about 50 or 100. Um, and when they'd finished, they asked if anyone else wanted to get baptized. So people just started jumping in the pool in their clothes. And getting baptized and so I hadn't planned to but suddenly I literally felt my feet were walking me forward to the pool and I remember saying to mum I'm going to get baptized and to be honest if I'd wanted to stop myself from going forward I don't know if I really could have because it was just one of those moments where God was just really moving me on and it was a real special time I had prophetic words given to me and they really just helped me carry me through the coming years I remember so many incredible moments of encounter with God's power at youth with Chris and Ruth and Rich and Karen and amazing worship times there, seeing people delivered, um, lots of times of going up and receiving prayer whenever we were anywhere and a speaker said, come up and get prayer if you want more of God. We were just so hungry. So another big part of um, my journey in that time was my nursing training and then working as a nurse. And although I haven't done that since having kids, that has been a huge um, part of my training and the lessons that I've learned through all of that have been just absolutely so invaluable. Key verse for me in this time and one that I clung to at various times was Isaiah 41, chapters 9 and um, verse 9 and 10. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners I called you. This is God talking. He said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So Pastor Glenn. Awesome. Isn't she amazing? Yeah. Love you, baby. Love you, baby. Love you, darling. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to share also a little bit from my uh, childhood as well. Um, I grew up in Blenheim and my parents were, they were pretty cool people actually. And we were a part of a uh, a Methodist church in Blenheim. It was a very uh, religious church. there were hymns, and I remember looking at the hymn charts and like looking how many hymns, and then I'd look at the hymn books and I'd count how many verses and like roll my eyes and just like Abby does now often at me. And um, I just that was kind of a religious thing. So church was something to get through, but I do um, I do remember um, this uh, Sunday school teacher called Mrs. Vile. <laughs> it's not it's not not an awesome kind of encouraging name, but she had. Um, she had an amazing 
amazing love. And she had this like squinty smile. It was like, I can just remember just these squinty eyes and these big teeth and the uh, the animal cracker biscuits and the raro and, you know, the bench seats that we'd sit on. And But there was something about her that just really released the love of God when I look back uh, now and I go, man, thank you, Lord, for Mrs. Vile in my life. You know, she was amazing. And so, you know, if you're a, a children's worker, just don't... Um, yeah, don't discount what you're doing because uh, looking back for me, it was, um, yeah, she was so, so, so special. Uh, my parents as well was, um, they were amazingly significant people in my world. Dad, um, he was the um, classic, I don't know, baby boomer, I think he is, yes, and the classic disciplinarian, you know, Dad was, tried to be firm but fair, and um, but he also spent a lot of time with us, uh, us kids, we had lots of backyard cricket, um, and he encouraged rivalry between my brother and me, and that didn't always go well, because the belt would come off often as well, and you know, he, but Dad was, Dad was awesome, my mother, um, she, I think of mum, and she was a crazy fun lady, um, she, always had a ready supply of inappropriate toilet humour at hand. Some of the worst jokes I know actually come from my mum. So if you're in youth and you know, you know where the toilet humour comes from, you know, it's, uh, it's all her fault um, and continues to be. So I'm also, I'm the oldest of uh, four. Yeah, I've got two brothers and one sister. If you didn't know that, now you do. My young, uh, next brother down from me is Duncan. He's in the um, in England, has been so for almost 10 years now, and then Amy in Mochawaka and Cameron, who lives in Christchurch. And we had, um, you know, we had bruises from being, you know, as well growing up, but we had a great childhood uh, looking back uh, in there. Um, back, to, um, back to my church life, I remember at um, the Methodist Church in, in Blenheim, and um, I remember one of my first um, and most, you know, vivid memories um, was being in a church service when I was a part of a choir and we'd been practicing and I remember the moment of actually standing up on the choir in front of people and just dying on the inside like I'd never been in front of all these people looking at me and I just completely freaked out Um, and so at that moment I made a decision to turn my back to the congregation for the entire set of songs and um, because I was just, and I remember looking at this person's tummy and went like, because they were on the next tier, I was like, I don't want, it's too scary. <laughs> and um, I remember, and, and there was a photo taken of that Sunday that that became, uh, that was on the, in the hall of this church for years, and there I was like in the center with my back, you know, <laughs> and it was just so funny. And so... Um, um, so, and up to the age of 39, I've had this diminishing fear of actually standing up in front of people, uh, but I'm getting over it slowly. <laughs> um, in that same church, we tra- I transitioned as a teenager and went along to an Easter camp um, when I was 13 years old. Yeah, Easter camp. And um, at that camp, we had some um, missionaries were speaking from Japan, and I'd, uh, you've heard this story before, but that, that moment was a moment where my heart was awoken to the love of Jesus. And... Um, I didn't really get anything. I didn't get that Jesus had died for me, or I didn't. I didn't understand that God needed to be the boss of my life. It went everything. His spirit just overrid all my uh, ignorance and just touched my heart, and I just knew that He loved me. And um, this fear of loneliness at that time just left my life. 
and I suddenly felt like I'd, you know, I was born again. And uh, I, I began a journey of coming out of some brokenness and stuff. But at that moment, that was such a, a real and a, an amazing time for me. And, and that um, youth ministry that I was a part of for two years um, just cemented in my life the power and the love of Christ. And of the power and the love of Christ through people and through community. Um, I, I just, those, those, that, that community, a guy called Jason Neal, two years older than me, he'd turn up in his Hillman Hunter on Thursdays and take me through this discipleship, um, book that I didn't really get, but I just knew that he was, he was in my world and he was for me, you know, he'd say hi to me at school and, and there were these amazing events on the weekend and I just like felt so blessed to be a part of this. It was the coolest thing in my life it really was I had a great family but Fridays at youth I disliked for two years just that was it so when I felt this call towards ministry and and um, obviously youth pastoring for 14 years that experience that I had at that time became a something that I wanted people and young people to really know what it was to feel the love of God through people and so that was a real hallmark um, for me and, and a time for me and and um Another, just closing out this part, I was just thinking about actually last night a, an encounter I don't think I've ever, I'd, I'd completely forgotten actually. This is after I'd moved down from Blenheim and I really, really didn't like Rangiera very much at all. But I had a friend come down who was a part of my, uh, he's a life friend actually. And um, he came down and I remember we went for a drive once in my Mark II Cortina and we ended up just stopping on the side of the road down the river somewhere and just praying for each other. And um, he had this word for me uh, about um, how my art, I think it was, because um, I was really into art, but how my artwork was actually going to really minister to people in, in some kind of way, and God was going to use that gift on my life. And at that time, I had this incredible encounter with joy. I just, the Holy Spirit filled my life, and I laughed for probably half an hour until I was crying, and it was... It wasn't anything funny. It was just Jesus. <laughs> he just really awoken something, awoken like his goodness and this gift for me, that he was a part of this gift. And I was so incredible. I just, yeah, it just came back to me last night and was such a, an amazing sense of his approval over my life. Um, just uh, one more amazing person who really established in my heart, like, you know, we have heroes in, in our lives, and I was like, this guy, uh, I want to be like you. And his, this was Graham Reed, who was the, um, uh, the youth pastor at the Baptist Church at this time. He was a wonderful pastor, uh, an incredible man who would ring me up occasionally and just ask me how I'm doing. And he was uh, such a fantastic pastor. And I thought, man, I want to be, be like Graham Reed. And um, yes, he actually gave me my first preaching opportunity that I didn't show up for. <laughs> I don't know what they did that Sunday night, but I had the, I'm going to turn my back on the audience fear thing going on real good. And I freaked out and I didn't turn up. So <laughs> it was a Sunday night service. So I've come along a little bit since then. Thanks, honey. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to share a little bit about the adult years. Um, and for me, some defining words in that time were love, um, healing, and truth. And another incredibly important part of this time was meeting my amazing husband. Actually, met when we were 18 years old, but I'll tell you more about that another time. But 
yeah, I just love him so much and love doing life with him and just so grateful to God for the way he just brings, you know, brings you two to get, brings two people together and just for the amazing way that you can do life together when you're with the right person, just complimenting each other and you're just so much better. You're a better person. You're a whole person, I reckon, when you're together like that. Thanks, Anne. Um, so yes, then came the adult years, and the twenties were my biggest and most painful time in my life. Um, I think I thought I'd escape the teenage years quite lightly, really, but there was a lot that God wanted to do in me and needed to do in me. There was healing in my mind and emotions that needed to take place, and I just really needed to encounter God's unconditional, perfect love. I think before that, I'd always just been—I knew God's love, but I think I always saw it with conditions put on it. Not that God was loving me like that but that's just the way I'd um, just perceived his love that I needed to earn it. So most of my standout moments in this time are actually the hard moments and while I'd never want to go back to these times I am actually incredibly grateful to God for bringing me through those, for the healing, for the new understanding about myself, new ways of thinking and for the greater understanding um, and therefore empathy I can have for others because of this. I'm not going to go into any detail, but just during the hardest time of my life, when I got to absolute rock bottom, I discovered God is there. God's at the bottom. He met me there, and he showed me that he was still bigger and stronger than the biggest pit. And it was really in that time, when, like Julie was talking about before, when I could do absolutely nothing, that I really encountered God's unconditional love, and also the unconditional love of my family and close friends at that time. It was also there that I really learned the importance of journeying with other people. And I'm so grateful to Glenn, to mum and dad, to my other family members and to my really close friends for um, doing life with me. And I discovered the amazing power of having somebody believe in you when you can't believe in yourself. And Chris, just want to talk just for a minute, just to stop and say thank you to you and to Ruth. I know I might not have the opportunity to do this in a couple of weeks, but I just want to thank you guys for your friendship for all your prayers, for all your counselling, for the shared times that we've cried together, for more prayers and for believing in me when I couldn't believe in myself and for calling me out. And you are one of the people that have done that most for me, so thank you. I just want to honour you guys for who you are in our world. Okay. Now, a key verse for me um, in this time, now there's actually so many key verses and I'm not going to go into... All of this, this will come out. We've got months and years to unpack more of our journey and just to um, share with you more. But God's word became so real to me in this time. It was real when I was a kid, but the power of his word really, um, really impacted me. Um, and I learned what it was to use his, uh, use his word to fight in my life and to just see change happen. But yet key verse for me that I just want to share with you guys, and actually which we're going to unpack a whole lot more over this coming year, is from Ephesians 3, and this is one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible. So Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. And this is my prayer for you guys. This is our prayer for you guys as well. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, I yeah, just share 
just briefly on this bit of my life as well. Uh, I, as a young adult, I um, had, an in, after after trying a few different substances and uh, adventures and finding myself probably at, at the end of the rope going, this doesn't add up to anything, I uh, a, a, such a strong desire to discover truth rose in my heart. I just, I don't know what it was, but I just, it was, I was around a boss who was in, he was into Eastern religion and, and I just, there was so much conflict in my world. I thought there's got to be something stronger to build my life on. And um, this was a real reconfiguring time for me. You know, I, like I said a few weeks ago, I knew Jesus as my saviour, but not as my Lord. And this was a time for me where I was um, developing that part of my life. And I, um, went to a navigator's course, I remember, um, and run by a guy from the Baptist Church. And the Word of God became alive to me at that time uh, like it never had. I remember learning Ephesians 2, verse 8, you know, for it's by grace we're saved through faith. And this is not my s- from myself. It's a gift from God, not by works, so no man can boast. And that verse just became such a rock to who I was that it wasn't nothing about me. It was all about him and his goodness. And I learnt scripture, uh, I learnt truth, and I accepted and embraced the Bible as truth. And doing that for me just set me up for a life that was far greater and more exciting than what I think I would have done if I hadn't learnt scripture. I know this is the, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit here, but just really settling in my heart what God says about me. And for those those times in my 20s, it was really important. I, in 1996, um, it was just after I met Debbie, actually, and I felt like I needed to go to Bible school. I just, like, I couldn't get out of my head. I've got to go to Bible school. And um, at that time, um, a good friend of mine, Steve Silcock, we used to, um, very often we'd go up Mount Thomas and we'd have big walks, talk about um, all things that were working and weren't working in our lives and we'd pray for revival over Canterbury and just be passionate about how God was going to use us in our lives. And we ended up going up to Bible College together and having a really cool adventure along the way. And when I was at Bible College, I went uh, to an outreach um, in New Plymouth and at New Plymouth, God spoke to me on the beach. I just remember the spot. It was a boulder bank. It was. I had my journal with me, and he said, uh, youth ministry and business to me. And I wrote that down and wrote a wee vision. And, um, you know, I like I like big picture stuff. And I was like, wow, it could be all this, and not really thinking about the details, eh, Julie? And, um, you know, I was just like, wow, glory. This is going to be so easy. Um, so I came back, um, actually, and started a business imme- immediately called Art Attack. And um, that was fun. And got working at North Canterbury Youth Services and... That business lasted about three months, and then I went back to work. <laughs> uh, something like that, anyway. It was it was cool, though, but God really said something about where I was going in my life. And um, at that time, you know, being married, we were, um, we were married in 1998, just a little while ago now. Um, and I remember making a decision, an important business decision, a little, little later than that, but um, that, uh, that Debbie actually really... You know, she wasn't feeling the joy about it like I was. Um, and I remember her telling me that she thought it was a bad idea. And I made it anyway. And it actually turned out to be a bad idea. How about that? 
yeah, how do they do that? I don't know. But um, so from that um, point on in our in our marriage, we for all those big decisions, um, whether it be business, ministry, you know, those life decisions we're making, we really seek to uh, make decisions together, to talk through decisions. To we know that you know that we're we're here for life that we're one, that God's called us to, you know, um, our future together. And so we just so much want to serve Jesus together. Um, And so that's something that I I know that one of Chris and Ruth's mantras has been um, seek first the kingdom and he will provide all your needs, you know. And without us saying that too much, I guess that's been a real part of our life. We've just wanted to, we've wanted God's best. We've wanted his intense for our lives, whether it be in business or uh, running youth group or what have you, we've we just like we want Jesus. We want Jesus to be the centre of our lives. Um, I also just before uh, I wrap up, I just want to honour a few people here. I I want to honour Lynn Lynn Frew. She's not here today. Debbie's mother, um, who was the senior leader of this church. Um, She's amazing, if you really knew Lynn. Um, and if you have the privilege of knowing her, she's just incredible. Um, she released Chris and myself into a, into, um, you know, courageous, like, hey, have a go. <laughs> you know, Lynn and Lynn gave us wonderful opportunities and connected us with amazing people. And I also want to honour um, Chris here. I want to honour you, bro. I just, you've been such an amazing friend uh, to us, as Deb said, uh, and Ruth, over 15, 18 years. Um, I didn't know diddly squat about leadership until I met you. <laughs> I honestly didn't. I was I was a follower for life, and then I realised that if you want to lead people, you need to know about leadership. <laughs> and Chris became such a, a wonderful role model to me um, as a leader, um, as a friend. I've learnt probably 95% of what I know of Chris uh, regarding leadership. So he's been incredible. We've we had um, wonderful journeys and adventures. Uh, you know, we think of 15 uh, years ago, we were doing uh, camps with kids and teenagers in Charleston together, amazing place on the West Coast where we rock climbing and caving and life skills and all this stuff with teenagers, at-risk youth. Um, and we would do these things back to back sometimes, wouldn't we? We'd drive over there, do a camp with kids for three nights, was it, or four nights? We'd drive back, have a night off, I think, and then the next day we'd fill up the the bus again with teenagers and we'd go back over there. And we did this for years, and it was that was some of the greatest adventures that um, I've had. And and so thank you, mate. Thank you so much for all that you've um, poured out um, into our lives. Yeah, Debbie. Okay, just a little bit now about why senior pastoring, I suppose. Why are we here? Um, partly just because we love you guys, actually. We just love this church. And actually, partly, mostly, we just love you guys. We love this church. It's just such an amazing place, and we just so believe in you guys. Um, over the years, we've had quite a few prophetic words okay, about leading a church one day. But to be honest, if you had asked me, probably us 10 years ago, <laughs> I would have said no way. No way. Um, I think probably underneath all of that subconsciously, I probably knew that maybe one day God was going to lead us that way, but I just didn't think I could do it, we could do it. I guess since then, God was continually and gently nudging 
us towards this. And I think when you pray those prayers of, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do, he actually listens and um, takes you at your word. But he also doesn't leave it there. It's an important thing too. He does give you the desires of your heart as well. And for as long as I can remember, I've always enjoyed going to church. But over the last 10 years, I think God's just been increasing that for me. And as I've encountered more of his love, um, that's been released me to be able to love other people more. And it's increased my love for the church. About three years, years ago, I remember talking to a friend um, who's now a life coach and about what she was going to do as her kids got older and about what I was going to do. And she said to me something I'll never forget, um, that she would never do a job unless she loved it so much that she'd be okay doing it for free. And I remember thinking a lot about that and thinking, that's not me with nursing, but that's definitely me with pastoring. And after joining the staff and the pastoral, um, starting the pastoral care team two to three years ago, I realised just how much I really love working with people. Seeing people really know that they belong, um, people encountering God's love and being whole and free, being who God's created them to be. Now, a couple of years ago, I was driving down Rouse Street, and this is one of those standout times of just really knowing that God spoke. And it was nothing life-changingly mind-blowing to anybody else. It was big for me. And I was saying to him, we're talk, we're, I was just asking him about leading Thrive one day, and I was, just said, but I've lived in Rangira almost all my life, and just really felt him affirm me. It was almost like he said, exactly. As though he was saying, I know you have a heart for Rangira. And also, while Chris and Ruth were away on sabbatical last year, Glenn and I were looking after the church and we just realised how much more comfortable and enjoyable it felt than what we'd expected it to. It was like the glove fit. And one last thing on this. A few years ago, um, actually, Connor, have you got a picture there to put up on the screen, maybe? A few years ago, one of our youth leaders had a picture for me. Yeah, there it is. Of me like an old oil painting. Now, whenever I'd been to the Christchurch Art Gallery... The old oil paintings were my absolute favourite. I can't wait till I can get in there again and see them. Anyway, this um, youth leader said, she said that every detail, that my, my life was like an oil painting, and every detail was how God wanted it. Every stroke and design is his. Many times I'd looked at the different parts of my life and wondered how on earth does it all fit together? The training and the work I'd done, all the good times in life, the different experiences, the dark, horrible times, the different giftings God had given me, and kind of feeling like I didn't have a particular thing that I felt was it for me, like a particular talent or thing that defined me. And I felt like God said that he'd taken all the stuff, the good and the bad, all the experiences, and while the bad times were not his design for me, they weren't his, his definite um, plan for my life, they were not that. He'd taken those and he'd brought good out of them. And he'd brought it all together like so many different brush strokes to help create the painting of my life. And I know the painting's not finished yet, but I know that all of that stuff and a, and a big part of the painting of my life for now is for this next phase that we're about to step into. And I think often our life can appear to us like a series of brush strokes on an oil painting. So if you're up close to them, they don't really make any sense. They just look like a whole lot of painting marks. But some colours might look beautiful. Some might look not so great. Some even look a bit dark. But as we just continually give our lives into the loving hands of our dad and the master artist... And as we take a step back and see it from God's perspective, we can start to see the amazing picture that he's creating. And right now there's beautiful paintings being created all across this room too. It's really exciting. Awesome. So just um, f in summary really um, for me, 
like what's God said to me about leading, <laughs> you know, being a part of uh, being a senior leader here. And um, I want to rewind to about seven, uh, six years ago when Chris had just started being a senior pastor and um, he did this Sunday morning message and um, it was called Don't Touch That Dream. And in that message, Chris kind of uh, broke out, you know, in our lives we... Um, we, ha- we can have disappointment, we can have um, dreams that are unrealized or that you never realize were there and let's, let's open our hearts up for God to just bring healing if that's needed or confirmation about what's in your life and I remember um, there was an altar call at the, at the end of that message and um, I was probably sitting over there somewhere and um, I did a, like a bit of a scan going, is that relevant? No. And um, not that it wasn't awesome, it was a great message. Um, and then, um, you know, a split second later, God just awoke something in my heart and said something like, you know, that you can lead a church or you can do it or something like that. And I wasn't even looking for it. And I don't know why, but I just bawled my eyes out. I just was a wreck. He just like opened something new that I'd never seen before that, and he said, hey, you, you actually can do this. You could be that person. And for me, um, being I, was, I really struggled with self-confidence um, as well. I just, that's crazy. But here he was. He was talking to me, and I knew that he had talked to me at that moment. Um, and, at the, and so from that point on, I, I kind of made peace with the fact like, that the word pastor, I was going to, move towards that and that that was that was going to be around my life for life it was a life sentence <laughs> and um so over the last sort of six or seven years we've we we've kind of been going you know god when and where and how and why and and so we've continued to um talk with chris and ruth over the last three four years particularly and 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 they've really had a sense that you know that one day it, it's going to be um, our, our turn. Um, I read a book last year, or the year before, or it might even be the year before that, um, called Compelled by Love by Heidi Baker. Um, she's someone who, like Julie was talking about, uh, she lives from the inside out. She uh, She's compelled by the love of the Father to do what she does. She's a missionary in Mozambique, and she sees the kingdom of God just released through her life and through her ministry, um, she was a you know a type A driven girl, and God just took her aside and said, "No, be, be that Mary." And she's got her own story about that journey, and and she, but who she is and what she does is is compelled by love. And um, I, I have a real sense that as a church that we are going to be a church that is is renowned for love. It's renowned for, and as we are now, and as it's been a, a sen- integral part of who we are now is the love of the Father. And I see this just becoming, I don't know, a, a real kind of sense that that's where we want to go. This this year we um, we want to theme this year established in love from that verse that Debbie had talked about. Um, and so society has got this, you know, you, you look at the world and everyone is compelled by something. Everyone is driven by something and we think that Jesus has got the answer (laughs) if you're going to be compelled by something be compelled by love you know you've seen the links ad on tv when they 
you know, your spray on links and it doesn't matter if, you know, you're as ugly as or my, yeah, yeah, those other four senses, they could be terrible. You could sound like fingernails on a blackboard, but you, sm you spray on that links and doesn't man, woman, you know, wild animals, they will run to you because you smell so flippin' good. And I, I, I believe that if, if our world knew how awesome Jesus was, the fragrance on his life, the, 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 the goodness of his plan for our, for our, our community, they, they would run. They would run. They would be so compelled by who he is. And we, church, have an opportunity to reveal his love to the world around us. Um, the verse I really just want to close out on is Philippians 3 verse 12. And it was just such a, a hallmark. for Like I saw some passion in Paul here when he wrote in this. And he says, for this reason, I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. And I've always been really interested in the, what is the reason? What was that reason that he was so passionate about what he, he wanted to press on to take a hold of. And, and, and you look at Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, and he said, and this proceeds, this is the reason. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. See, Paul was compelled. He was compelled because he knew someone. He knew someone amazing. And I'm, I, I, I'm excited about, you know, being, we're excited about being the pastors, but I'm not excited about just being someone. I'm excited about what God wants to do in this church. Oh, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about, you know, you guys, the haze, you know, what's Jesus going to do in your life? You know, the husbands, the, all these people, Mel, you know, what's Jesus going to do? What's Jesus going to do in Janet's life? What's ahead? What's ahead for us as a church? What is ahead for us? He wants to do something amazing through our lives. And I was thinking last night, I wonder if in 50 years or 100 years, our children and grandchildren, maybe great, great, great grandchildren, We'll look back on our time, on this time, and marvel at what happened at, in church. You know, maybe it's not just Thrive. Maybe it's the churches on the globe, you know. But they would look back and go, wow, the trigger was pulled. You know, something incredible happened because Jesus was glorified. And that came, it became a reality through our creativity, through our relationships, through our friendships, through our sacrifices, through the miracles that just kind of flow through our lives. And all of that became our great-great-grandchildren's normal. That's, that's, yeah, that's why we're here, eh? We, we, we believe in what Jesus we believe what he wants to do in us and through us. And we just want to celebrate and be excited to, as a church to be in this together. And so, yeah, that's kind of our hearts today. Let's just pray and we'll go on and have an awesome, awesome Sunday. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. And we just, we thank you for 
your incredible goodness choosing us first. You chose us. And just for anyone today who doesn't know their chosen Lord, we just we thank you for a revelation for everyone in this building today, knowing that they're chosen by Christ Jesus. We just thank you for what's ahead for us, Lord. We we thank you for what you've established in this church through Chris and Ruth and we just honor them today. We just we thank you for what they're going into and we just give you praise, Lord, for the platform and the relationships and the goodness that you have <laughs> continuing to, to show and display in this church, Lord. We just we want to surrender our lives again to you today and say, yes, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In your awesome name, amen.